0: Hey, what's going on? This is the Saturday Down South podcast. I am Conor McGuera. Well, week six, seven SEC games, all conference games, no bye weeks, just as the good Lord intended. That's what I'm talking oh, about. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. This is finally, Connor. It is the best time of the year for me. I know we've talked about it before, but it starts getting a little bit chillier. You know, you get to layer up. If you're a thick boy, you love layering up. You love bulking season. I and do, too. Is, I'm not a thick full. boy. I love
0: layering up. Oh, yeah, dude.
1: You get you, a nice little, get you a nice little coffee on the way into work. You know what I'm saying? And you get a full SEC slate. And just get to watch these teams we've been talking about for months actually just hit the mess out of each other.
0: This time of year is so good because even in Florida, there's a little bit of that chill when the sun goes mm-hmm. down. And when the sun's not up yet, I ran this morning in 65-degree weather. Oh, that's the dream right there. I can't tell you the last time I ran in anything less than 80. I mean, it was just... Mm I was Lauren. Lauren made the joke when I got back that I was probably just skipping the entire way. And I, I might have been. I kind of blacked out. It was that great. I love, I love that when the cool air is just here in Florida, it's such a gift. And that is why we love this time of year because we got conference games, we got great weather. It is a great, great time of year. So glad that you have joined us. We've got a great show lined up. Harrison Nevis is going to join us in a little bit, talk about his redemption against Georgia. And then we're going to do some bold and brash week six running back edition. And then, Lad of the week of course but first every time of year is a great time of year for texas pete that's what i always say i was talking to who was i talking to the other day oh it was it was, uh, it was our friend Alyssa lane Alyssa lane cannot eat spicy foods or anything like that and she says it's the most frustrating thing ever she can't have any sort of hot sauce or anything like that and i'm like that's a bummer because that means you don't get to eat texas pete every single day like i do and mm-hmm. i do i don't miss a day of texas pete Texas Pete has the spice and flavor that's kicking this football season up a notch. If you haven't tried the original hot sauce or their new traditional barbecue sauce, run, don't walk to grab yourself a bottle today. Visit TexasPete.com for recipes and hot apparel. Plus, take 20% off your entire order with promo code Saturday Down South. That is all one word Saturday Down South. Win big with Texas Pete when you sauce like you mean it. Let's just get right into it game that i am really excited for and i know it's a noon kick 11 a.m local time a lot of people are upset this isn't a night game i get it i understand where you're coming from lsu fans you wish you were able to get a bit more inebriated or you can just get inebriated on friday night and just pretend that that carries over into saturday do what you can make this work this game should be great number eight tennessee facing number 25 lsu death valley early morning game that's going to be weird. That's going to be a little bit weird, right? Like that's just not a typical big game. Sun is still coming up type venue. Even the afternoon games. I feel like there it's rare to see like a sunny big time game at LSU. Like last year, Florida played at LSU and it was, it was an afternoon. I think that was, was that a noon kick or was that a three 30 kick? I don't remember now. No, I'm blanking. Yeah, those games – I that had to, I think that I feel like that had
1: to be 3:30 because I feel like it was a little bit late but I could be wrong. But I feel like I can't even I can't even complain as an LSU fan because to your point about Florida, Florida has got stuck with these noon kicks like yeah. for since since uh the Kyle's. It's like you guys are playing like they played A&M at, like noon.
0: They did. They did. That's that's, just, that's a good call. Yeah, I don't know why Florida has gotten stuck with a lot of those new games. Seems like SEC East that's just the way that it kind of goes. The over under mm-hmm. that I have for this one, 0.5 interceptions thrown. Jaden Daniels, Hennon Hooker have a combined 244 pass attempts this year, and not a single one of them has gone into the hands of the opposing team. That's good. I think that'll change on Saturday for a couple of reasons. One, we know Jaden Daniels banged up knee. Brian Kelly Mm -hmm. said on Feinbaum that he's good to go. If Daniels is less than 100%, which he might be for this game, he's forced to maybe perhaps, dare I say, hang in the pocket a little bit longer, uh, not take off. I, maybe, maybe that could lead to some force. And that's, you know, I think that's good. I think that's okay. I, I'm not necessarily one of those people that's like, oh, zero intercept. Like if you end an entire season with 300 passes and zero interceptions, I'm kind of like, how many chances did you take? You know, there's, right. there's something to be said for that. But I just think that in a game like this, we'll probably see him, we'll probably see him take a few more of those chances, maybe put the ball in harm's way a little bit more. As we've seen so far, the rapport with the wideouts, it's just not there. Not not yet, at least. And it's still Mm -hmm. early, but it's some of these numbers are bad. Sean Booty in three games against FBS competition, six catches, 16 targets, 55 yards, zero touchdowns, zero catches of 20 yards. Again, Mm -hmm. I like that Booty is on the IG live. He and Jaden Daniels. Appear to be pretty tight. You know what? That's good. Love the leadership from Jade Daniels. Give him a lot of credit for that. It could be a whole lot worse. All right. At least he's still on the roster. At least you still have to game plan for that guy. You do every single time. Jack Besh. Eight catches. 50 yards. No touchdowns in four games against FBS competition. That's not ideal, considering Mm -hmm. what we were talking about in the offseason with those two guys and their potential impact on this offense, an offense that we had a lot of questions about, but that was the group that we didn't have the questions about. I think Tennessee steps in front of one. Perhaps it's like Jeremy Banks, who unofficially leads the country in passes that have gone through his fingertips. I think he had (laughs) roughly eight of those against Pitt. Mm -hmm. I think he gets in front of one in this game. Well, I will tell you, though, Connor, did you hear about the players-only meeting? I love a players-only meeting. You know that. Big fan of that. That, that is like total vibe changer. We used to do those in high school with baseball. And when that happened, it was like, all right, now we're about to go on our run. And then we always did. So I'm all for them. They work you know. I, the
1: time. I I love that you say that too, because like, and look, I love Jaden. I really do. Like, I think he's a good player. I think he's kind of put in a bad position by this offense, but Brian Kelly very early in the week was like, he needs to take chances. And then he called a player as only being to say he needed to take chances. Yeah. It was like my brother. Who's stopping you? Well, You're the one taking the chases. Yeah, so that's fair. I, under- I understand he needs to go on the same page. You're totally right about that. But it's like on some level, you got to let these receivers win these 50-50 balls. Because as a quarterback, it's a dream to have guys that can. So hopefully, to your point, as a stay in the pocket and... Players only beaten, can't be overstated. So they're all kumbaya now down there, Connor.
0: They are. And that's all you can ask for if you're if you're an LSU fan going into this one. Jaden Daniels keeping his eyes up, perhaps, being willing to hang in the pocket and take take one of those, take one of those shots, which he probably will take a few of those in this game. Mm-hmm. On the Tennessee side, Hennan Hooker has yet to throw a pick. Best quarterback rating in the SEC. Tennessee fans loved when I tweeted that out. I just thought it was every once in a while, I'll just tweet out like a very basic stat and the interaction that it gets over something that I will have spent like an hour researching and digging up. I'm just like, of course, why, why? It'll be
1: a beehive. Cause it was, I think it was about Levis on the tweet that you're talking about. They were like, see, like Kentucky fans, like see Levis is good. It's
0: like, brother, this is a stat. There's no agenda stat. here. Yeah. There's no agenda. I just, I, every once in a while I just throw out some stats and think it's kind of interesting and where certain guys are, where certain guys aren't. That, that's all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, We've already seen Hedden Hooker this year go into a hostile atmosphere, ball out like he did against Pitt. So why then do I think that he gets picked off in this game and maybe has a couple of struggles? A couple of reasons. Cedric Tillman looks like he's a coin flip to play in this one because of the two-a-tight rope procedure that he's still working his way back from. Tennessee needs him for this game more than they needed him for Florida. And here's why. On the road, against that LSU pass rush, not fun, not ideal. B.J. Ojalari he is a game wrecker. He forces quarterbacks to make quick decisions, or he's going to force them to trust the guy to make a play on a 50 50 ball. When Tennessee went on the road to pit, what did we see? How many targets did, did Tillman have in that game? Do you remember, Will? He's like not enough, but how many? He had 18. He had oh, 18. Oh, never
1: mind. I was enough. thinking,
0: my bad. I was thinking of a, of a different game. My bad. No, he had a lot of targets. And mm-hmm. that's because when you have that connection, that's what it should look like. And, mm-hmm. you know, Tillman, because he's the best receiver in the SEC, you know, he was rewarded that game nine catches. 162 yards including the game winner in overtime when hooker pump fake twice he steps up in the pocket he threw it to the end zone off the wrong foot because he knew that even if Tillman was covered he could make the better adjustment on the ball and make a play and don't you know it that's what he did that is trust those Mm -hmm. are the things that Jaden Daniels is still working to develop with those LSU receivers Mm -hmm. and Tennessee has that with that connection right there whether they have it with the other guys that remains to be seen on the road and I realized that Jalen Hyatt looked really good in that game against as well, but Bruce McCoy, Sorry, Jay- I was thinking about Bruce McCoy.
1: I knew I, I, I didn't want to sound very wrong on this. I remember thinking every target Bruce McCoy got, but it was not Tillman. My bad,
0: no, yeah. And they do look a little bit similar, kind of with the way that they operate. Both big physical guys on, on the outside play similar positions, so I, I, I totally get why that mix up would be there. Um, I, I think though, what we've seen so far, as encouraging as it's been to see Bruce McCoy, Jalen Hyatt step up the way that they have. Mm-hmm. The, the Tillman hooker connection is still one of the best in all of college football, and that's oh, yeah. very, very unique. This LSU defense is all about turnovers. They've forced 12 of them, tops in the SEC. That's pretty good. It's kind of cliche to just say going into a game, oh, turnovers matter. But when you kind of think about the rhythm that this Tennessee offense gets into, you need those one or two plays that just kind of totally kills their momentum, and you got to bring their defense back onto the field after they've just been out there for a while. Because as we know, complimentary football, not necessarily Josh Heupel prides himself on. Right. I think the weird thing about this game is I think Tennessee's a better team. I think Tennessee, like you put them on a neutral field, middle of the season, everybody's healthy. Tennessee's a better football team fewer weaknesses. But I'm going to stick with my preseason prediction that LSU is going to win this game outright, which I've had moments in which I said, LSU just doesn't have it this year. And I'll have many moments, probably moments in this game, in which I say, I don't know about LSU. But I think this well-oiled Tennessee defense – Kind of, well, I shouldn't say defense. I should say the offense, not the defense. The defense has been has been good. I think you saw what Anthony Richardson did to them, that they definitely have some holes. And if you kind of get behind them in the secondary, they have some issues with tackling all that stuff. But I think this Tennessee offense, it runs into the best pass rush that it's faced. It gets sped up a little bit too much. in an LSU team that's pissed off about the noon kick That's what it all comes back to, right? That's the the result that we'll play. I think that they win a back and forth game in which once again, they find a way to put it together in the fourth quarter. Will, am I overlooking LSU's flaws in this one too much?
1: Man, I actually think I'm going to say yes. Um, so I'm fascinated by this Tennessee offense we've talked about before with Heupel. Um, I was talking to one of my Twitter friends, Max Toscano, who's LSU's Valley Shooks, X's nose guy. Just going back and forth, back and forth, trying to figure out this Tennessee offense. And the thing that I kind of figured out is that, you know, Tennessee has this awesome offense that has, you know, these numbers that you just can't look away from, like just every phase of it so good, but they're like, well, they're in these dogfights with these not very good teams at the end of these games. And has that happened? And to your point, it's about complimentary football. Now, what were Pitt and Florida able to do successfully run the ball. And I think that LSU because of Dinbrock, because of all of these different things, they have not shown a commitment to just run the ball. Now let me tell you one more thing. In the twenty eighteen Fiesta Bowl, LSU played UCF, whose head coach was Josh Heupel. They won that game. That was Joe Burrow, obviously, with an eight minute drive in the fourth quarter. Okay, LSU just pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock. That was uh, uh what's his name? Uh, Bursette that was just there forever and it, they're averaging four yards of carry and it was just boom, 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 boom. That's how you beat this team is you keep their defense on the field. Now what makes me skeptical about this specific LSU team more than almost any LSU team in history is they just will not stay on the field on offense. And mm-hmm. I think that if you, and we've joked about Josh Heupel, I think I think Josh Heupel is free of the slander of the scripted plays. Do you feel like he's kind of outgrown that now?
0: So So far, they have looked much better in the second quarter. I have not run the second quarter numbers just yet. But it definitely mm-hmm. feels like it's been improvement. I mean, in their lone road game, they were they were better in the second quarter of that game after Pitt jumped out to the early lead. And looked like they were going to be off and running.
1: Yeah. So, and and if you guys are new here, that was a joke we had through all the last season. That for the first, you know, scripted plays, one. it was they would first quarter. You guys started against Georgia. You guys saw it, You know, they would come out and be gangbusters and just be awesome for the first couple of drives, and they would start to make adjustments. They wouldn't make adjustments. Now, initially, I thought coming into this season that. You know, if LSU could just hold on for this first quarter and figure it out like they have been. But the thing that scares me is it's different when you're punting the ball to Mississippi State when Matt House has figured out the air rate. It's different when you're punting the ball to Auburn when they have Brian Harson doing Brian Harson stuff in the second sure. half. If you keep punting the ball to Josh Hypel, he's gonna keep scoring. And that's what scares me about this LSU team is that if they were a team like Kentucky or Georgia, maybe older Georgia that could run the ball consistently. I'd be like, well, this is going to be easy. They're going to play smash mouth football. The defensive line to your point, I think is the key in this game for LSU and and they, they have it, but it's not the passing game, it's the fact that to your point, Jaden is hurt, so they're leading rusher. It's like you're losing a it's like you're losing a running back if Jaden's hurt, you know what I'm saying? And so and we saw Emory look good, we saw you know some good stuff in the last game. But I if LSU surprises me and learns how to run the ball and control a clock, the thing is about this this Tennessee offense, and why I'm fascinated about you know, Kentucky and Georgia is that. By by the end of these games, that team is usually it's like the defense is so gassed. It just doesn't matter, you know, and that's what we saw against Pitt against, you know, a better Kanda, a boy. But I just don't think LSU can be that team. I think there will be a team, but I don't want to get my hopes up too much.
0: It would be really interesting to see Jaden Daniels get the passing game going because you talk about the get right game for Anthony Richardson throwing the football. Actually, like. I'll I'll disagree. I, I didn't think Florida ran the ball that well against Tennessee. I thought it was all it was it was all the passing game, and it was all getting outside of the pocket. And some of the stuff is off script. Some of the stuff wasn't. Some of that's designed the way that Billy Napier drew that up. So mm-hmm. they they showed that all right. If a play breaks down, or if they kind of have to divert their eyes, and they got a quarterback that's that's out of the pocket and making the plays on the move, that they have a tough time defending that. Can Jade Daniels kind of replicate some of those tendencies? Because there are plenty of guys in the SEC that can do that and if you can't defend that if you're Tennessee then you're kind of playing with fire and we we right. talked about that as a potential hiccup for this defense but yeah I just these new games I don't know why and it like maybe they're all they, weird they're, they're weird. weird dude they, they, they just they, they feel strange to me and I do think that that LSU despite the fact that it, it comes into this one as like a slight what is it like a three-point dog in this one I mm-hmm. just find myself wondering ah may, maybe this is kind of Where Tennessee can, where Tennessee pumps the brakes and against an SEC West team on the road with with plenty of talent that can just kind of wake up at a moment's notice and start making plays, maybe they struggle and maybe they've kind of met their match in this one. But even if Tennessee loses this game, I'm not going to be out on Tennessee again. I had them going nine and three in the preseason with this game as being one of those losses. So if you're a Tennessee fan, I don't think this all of a sudden means that that the hype and that we've been sipping too much orange Kool-Aid just if they're not able to come out with a victory in this one. Okay. SEC West matchup. We've got Arkansas, number 23, Mississippi State. Mississippi State's an eight-point favorite. The over-under I have, 24 Rocket Sanders carries. He's averaging 21. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a whole (laughs) lot. That's first in the SEC by five attempts, by the way. It's not even close. I mean, he's getting the rock, and he needs to. I mean, he is that good. I wonder how much Arkansas tries to lean on Rocket because of the questions surrounding the Arkansas quarterback situation. Doesn't sound great for K.J. Jefferson's status. We're recording this at 4 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon, so we're still waiting to see. Doesn't sound like he's been much of a participant at all in practice. That's usually not a great sign. He was sidelined late against Alabama with the head injury. Sam Pittman didn't want to say that he was going through concussion protocol. Take that for what you will. We don't know if he's going to be active or not. So it's really difficult, and that's perhaps why the spread is where it's at. If he's not, Cade Fortin will presumably get the nod. He was the transfer from USF. He started his career off at UNC. Perhaps we get a Malik Hornsby package. Oh, Malik Hornsby. yeah, either way, yeah. (laughs) He did the thing, uh, Hornsby did, where he scrubbed Arkansas mentions from his Instagram, and then he tweeted out that he said he was – that, that he never said he was leaving. And please stop with the false information. Hashtag whoopig suey. It's Luther burden stuff all over again. Thank you. We talked you. about this last
1: week. You did this dog. Don't be shy. <laughs> I,
0: I just want to know. And look, Lauren works in PR and we deal with, I, I'm always fascinated by this angle of like, how did you think people are going to react? And I, I went on my soapbox and talked about how I, how much I hate it when people do this. And Pro sports stars telling the youth of America that this is a totally normal thing to do in today's mm-hmm. NBA. Just why why this is a normal thing now, and why people think that oh yeah we're not gonna notice or that's just no big deal. Like get out of here with that crap. That that to me, I might just be out on you if you do that. I that that just to me would just scream red flag. Person who doesn't get it. Person who probably needs to figure out like how his actions actually impact his surroundings. But again these are college kids and I understand they make mistakes. So I'm not saying that they're all of a sudden doomed for the rest of life, but didn't like seeing that. Did not like seeing Connor,
1: Can you do that for April fools, please? Can you just scrub all the SDS out of your mentions? and just don't say anything about it. I right. are like just going through it right now.
0: Yeah. And then just <laughs> notes app yeah, just just it. I am just just
1: still wa- committed to Saturday down south.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm just still committed to Saturday down south. I don't know why anybody's saying that I wouldn't want to work for them anymore. Like, give me a break. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. that's not happening. Hornsby five scrimmage touches this year. Oof. Made the move uh, from quarterback to receiver. He entered the transfer portal very briefly and then came back out of it. They had the discussion of, okay, this is what your role is going to be. He's got 26 offensive snaps. Did not have a snap last week, even though KJ was out. Whether or not that led to his scrub on IG, um, I would say probably that had something to do with it because why wouldn't it? I know that this isn't going to happen. But I would just love, I would love to see Arkansas be the polar opposite of the leech air raid in this one. And you know what mm-hmm. I mean. We mm-hmm. need some wild hog. We need mm-hmm. it. This oh, is gosh. begging I need wild hog like I need air right now, Connor. If there is nothing that can turn this Arkansas season around, I mean wild hog is it. That they oh, they, yeah. they need that. Get Rocket and Horns be involved, get Dominique Johnson, AJ Green, get those guys going in there, have Rocket Sanders taking direct snaps. I don't care who takes the snaps, but you're not throwing the football in this game. you're you're probably not based on what we've seen from you so far based on the fact that even if kj is out there and that dude is tough as hell he is but even if he's out there you probably don't want him taking those those shots against the zach garnett defense they will get after you it would be a fascinating way to combat that mississippi state offense and at least present something different that zach garnett's defense hasn't seen before and as much as i like that group they allowed 4.2 yards per carry eight rushing touchdowns so far so it's not like it's some brick wall against Mm -hmm. the run. I don't think Kendall Bryles does that. I'm worried about this Arkansas offense. I really am. Even if KJ Mm -hmm. does play, I think there is a really small chance that a dude who's working through a head injury, especially with all that's been in the news about head injuries with Tua, uh, a guy who's had mild symptoms, Sam Pittman said, I don't think he's going to be asked to use his legs in the way that he normally would. I highly doubt that. And I've mentioned all of those things without talking about how a really bad Arkansas pass defense is going on the road to face a team who throws the ball 48 times a game. That doesn't seem good. I, I get it. They don't stretch the field in the same way that others do. They're not not—they're not necessarily going to be trying to go over the top of you the same way that Bryce Young does. I, I get it. But the tackling is still just so bad. And even if you play all this drop coverage against them, you're kind of like, oh, it seems like a matter of time before Caleb Ducking or somebody like that busts through and all of a sudden Arkansas is like, wow, that was a 50-yard touchdown on a quick eight-yard slant. How did that happen? That seems likely. By the way, Indiana is averaging more pass attempts per game than Mississippi State, and they're doing that with Connor like a quarterback. Yeah, How about that? That's <laughs> a step. Indiana has no idea what it's doing offensively. It's like, we're going to give Sean Shivers the ball a million times. Connor Bazelak is going to get to throw the ball 50 times a game. We have things figured out. Uh, no, they don't. They, they absolutely don't. I'm going to default to that later in the year because I can't – That they will not be my lock of the week. I'm telling everybody that right now. Okay, I can't just bet against Indiana for my lock of the week every single week, but it will come back soon when I'm desperate. Anyway, the only thing that prevents this from being a blowout is Arkansas's edge rushers doing to Mississippi State what lsu did that could happen that absolutely could that's the one thing that i'm like all right that that's that's an equalizer drew sanders against those tackles that could be a huge mismatch and i don't think will rogers stays upright all day with the way that barry odom is probably going to want to send at least some pressure but i do think that my lack of confidence in the arkansas offense is forcing me to say i think mississippi state wins this game by a double touchdowns 14 point game doesn't seem too crazy with how good they have looked so far. Will, does Arkansas avoid an 0-3 start in SEC play?
1: Man, yeah, it's like, I, I feel like I'm overthinking this. You know what I'm saying? I think you're right there. I think it's going to be, I think Mississippi State's going to cover. And there's so many elements to, you know, you, you could say that, uh Barry Odom has figured out the because the, the new question is going to be can this coach and has this coach figured out the air raid? He has figured out the air raid, however, with a very different team. A team that could actually guard guys like sure. one a guy got, you know, you can put some of those guys, Catalan and those guys, you know, in one-on-one situations. And now, you know, it it he just doesn't have the dudes, apparently. And and I don't know what's going on over there, but to your point, you know, any 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 play can be a 50 yard touchdown if somebody misses the tackle and so that Arkansas team is sure they can't tackle so yeah and that's without the KJ stuff I think the Kendall Browse is a great offensive mind but just how much how much can you really how much can you really overcome especially against a weird team like Mississippi State I think Mississippi State's got him in this
0: one Leach Pittman has quietly been a really fun rivalry these first mm-hmm. couple of years that's that's a, a sleeper game that to me is one of the things that makes the sec so unique with its depth and that you could just turn on a game like this and it's competitive and more likely than not one team is going to be in the top 25 or something like that. Maybe this game is competitive and maybe that eight point spread suggests that it'll stay within one score, but man, I just have too many concerns about the Arkansas offense right now, especially man. after what we just saw from them. Speaking of weird games, Mizzou and Florida Floridas a Oh yeah. This game is, all time weird things happen in the SEC in the last. Well, I shouldn't say all time. This is in the last decade because since Mizzou joined the SEC, Florida's yeah. ten and a half point favorite. Over under, one Star Wars reference. I said <laughs> last Mullen. year. You know what? It's it's a bummer that we didn't get ten Mullen Drinkwitz matchups. I I wanted the trolling on a yearly basis. I I did yeah. this. This is what you can ask for without. Uh, 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 two teams that would be considered rivals. Just give me that kind of entertainment before, after, during a game at SEC media days, whenever, Mm -hmm. just two teams that don't really respect each other, it feels like. Um, I was thinking about this. Who is the least likely coach in the SEC to throw a jab at an opposing coach and why is it Billy Napier? Hypo, probably not no heupel did who was it heupel got into heupel had a dig at it's oh he had a dig at somebody last year and i'm blanking on who it is it wasn't stoops was mm-hmm. it pitman i don't remember but i feel like napier is all time like i'm not gonna rock the boat guy yeah not not yet at least we'll, we'll wait and see give him a couple years floor starts winning winning a few more of these games you know get let it let him get get that confidence up but for now, that's great for Florida. They don't need that at this stage of the game. It's the only uh,
1: the only push, maybe Beamer, but we just haven't really seen Beamer like succeed, succeed. Like we've only seen him really be an underdog, so he has to be like this aw shucks guy. So jury's still
0: out on that. True, and you know, Stoops had the the dig at Beamer. Um, we're gonna get to South Carolina, Kentucky a little bit later, but. I don't think Stoops and Beamer are sharing a beer anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't after the way that Stoops kind of went after him with the sunglasses thing uh, in the off season. But yeah, I, I think that that Napier is, is a little bit, a little bit different than Dan Mullen. And I think he'll treat this Mizzou game a little bit differently than Mullen has in the past. Weird things happen when these teams play. That's, mm-hmm. that's just reality. Will of the 10 times, these teams have played since Mizzou joined the sec. How many times have they beat Florida?
1: I feel like they're like four and
0: six, like not a winning record, but about 500. They are exactly 500, five and five. Isn't that crazy? And Mizzou has won three of the last five. Isn't that that just bizarre to think about? I love rivalries like this. An example is like Tennessee Vandy, how it used to be like a little bit
1: ago, where like, like Florida doesn't feel like they're Mizzou's rival. Mizzou really thinks they're Florida's rival enough to where they can beat them. And it's like, oh God, this again, like if you're a Florida fan.
0: Yes, and I remember even 2018 when Drew Locke went into the swamp, and that was a Mizzou team that hadn't beat a top 25 team in forever. And mm-hmm. they went into the swamp when Florida was en route to a New Year Six Bowl in Mullen's first year, and they mm-hmm. just blew the doors off them. It was real bad, and you're just wondering, wait, where did this come from? I was, how is this happening right now, Mizzou, Florida? Weird things happen. Um, all three, all three Florida coaches. Lost to Mizzou during that stretch. Oh, well, there's an asterisk there. McIlwain didn't get the loss in 2017 because he was fired by then. So Randy ah. Shannon gets the loss on that one. But that should count against McIlwain because his roster sucked because of the credit card nine, all that stuff. Um, <laughs> Two Mullen losses, two Muschamp losses to Mizzou. So mm-hmm. that's, that's on their record forever. On top of these teams having a weird history, this is strange on a variety of fronts. Florida's coming off the short week. Whipped Eastern Washington on Sunday. Richardson also dealing with some sort of a leg injury. I think it's kind of an ankle thing, which we know he dealt with against Kentucky too. So will they have him at full strength? And then on the Mizzou side, that was the best game last week that Mizzou has played all year. And you can't convince me otherwise. They have the self-induced issues that cost them against Georgia, but I still came away from that thinking the defense is at least going to be capable, and then who knows if you can get maybe a home run player too and take some pressure off of Brady Cook, Dominic Lovett, who has 95 more receiving yards than any other SEC receiver. Coin flip to play in this one. We saw the offense sputter with him late, without him late, I should say. We also mm-hmm. saw some struggles defending the pass once Chris Abrams' drain was out. And just like love it, 50-50 to play in this game. So again, we're talking about Mizzou's best offensive player and best defensive player who are both massive question marks going into this one. Mm-hmm. I realize I'm kind of presenting more questions than answers here. I'm doing what I always say not to do. Don't, pre- don't, don't present a problem without providing a solution. I'm just presenting yep. problems here. That's all I'm doing. Um, I, I could truly see a wide range of outcomes because of all of those unknowns. I'll say that Mizzou a week after that physical game with Georgia, runs out of gas trying to defend Florida's ground game, but it's a one-score game, Tigers cover. this. That feels like a cop-out. It is. It definitely is. And I'm really torn because we saw in the Kansas State game that you can be one-dimensional and beat the Mizzou defense, and mm-hmm. I think there's a decent chance that Florida's pretty run-heavy, and they're going to want to see, okay, can Mizzou bounce back physically after 60 minutes with georgia and look i'm picking florida to win this game because i don't think they're going 0 and three in sec play to start off i just can't close my eyes and picture that this is the battle to avoid the 0 and three starts oh and 0- or the to avoid the O and three start to sec play between mizzou and florida we've always got toby keith gain potential for drink when he faces florida we do but i'm going to yep. stick with the gators to survive
1: yeah to that point it's like yeah you're asking questions but the answer is you know if mizzou wins mizzou winning this game never makes any sense anyway you know what i'm saying so it's like these are good things to know and logically speaking florida should beat them florida should have probably beaten them almost 10 times in a row they probably should have at least won eight of those matchups i feel just you know there were obviously a couple of not great florida teams in there but not a lot of great mizzou teams either so point being yeah i i think you know I, I'm going to go with Florida here. I think that to your point, that's the tough thing about losing the How Do You Like Me Now game is that, you like you said, you get all the gas out of there. You literally leave it all in the field the way that Mizzou did. And then now it's like, well, you have to completely change gears. And that's why the SEC East is so much more interesting than the West this year is because, you know, you have a Georgia and a Florida and a Tennessee. <laughs> and yep. It's like these are all completely different teams. And so the things that worked against Georgia probably won't even really work against Florida just based on how their offense works. Like, like the – Georgia needs a playmaker like Anthony Richardson. You know what I'm saying? they have the lack of that. And they obviously have the tight ends. I know that I'm not I'm not we're not dumping on Brock Powers, but I'm saying that when their offense starts to stagnate, Florida's whole offense is that it's creates like something act. out of nothing. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Exactly. Georgia is like one of the worst teams in my opinion of the country in that. And Florida is one of the best teams so much so that when Georgia's on schedule, they're great. And when Florida's on schedule, they're not. And so like, I think that when you're a team that's already gotten the, the, the you know, had played such a physical team in Georgia, Florida is kind of a nightmare to come to have to play. So I, I would take Florida and maybe, maybe the points cover. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. fair.
0: All right. Deep South oldest rivalry, Auburn number two, Georgia, Georgia's a 29 and a half point favorite. I don't know the last time Auburn was this big of an underdog. I, somebody's got that stat. I haven't found it. If you know it, let me know. Um, yeah. It's it's It has to have been a really long time. The over-under, I have six and a half second half points for Auburn. Yeah. The last time that Auburn scored seven points in the second half against the Power 5 team was October 16th, 2021 against Arkansas. That was almost a year ago. That's bad. Since then, three second half points against Old Miss, zero second half points against AM, six second half points against Mississippi State, three second half points against South Carolina, three second half points against Alabama. We're not including overtime in this. Six second half points against Penn State, zero second half points against Mizzou. Again, not including overtime in this. Zero second half points against LSU. That is almost impossible to do. Yes. Two second half touchdowns total in that stretch. And they went for two both times and didn't get it. So that's why they have enough seven points. You just, you just you
1: just gotta show up. you gotta prove those people wrong and then prove them oh, right. Gosh.
0: <laughs> and, they, and these these games like in okay, so in the Mississippi State instance, when they had the touchdown, it would have made it a one score game, I believe, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. And then they just maybe they were down nine were they down nine Are they trying to make it a seven point game i don't remember but they haven't gotten it either time and that's that's an even tougher look probably just the lack of ability to when you get that one touchdown you just can't even get that clutch play to make it an even closer game well they knew they weren't going to be back cotter so they had to get all the points they could oh my gosh it's so bad it's so bad it's about execution According to Brian Harson, it's also probably about a lack of talent, lack of scheme, lack of development. But sure, your game plan has been totally perfect and it's all just about execution. Right. I believe that. All signs point to Georgia putting the nail in the coffin for Brian Harson at Auburn and him being the sixth coach fired this year. By the way, how crazy is it to think that five power five coaches have been fired already and Brian Harson wasn't one of them? Amazing. I mean, yeah. meanwhile, Wisconsin, Wisconsin pulled the trigger oh, yeah. on Paul Christ. Lauren broke that news to me after we were coming out of a movie on Sunday night, and I thought she was lying. I was like, you didn't mean Wisconsin. You, right. You read that wrong. That, that tweet is incorrect. But Lauren, big brain, never makes mistakes. I don't know why I didn't believe her in that moment. But, yeah, I mean, that's crazy to think about. If Harson gets fired after Saturday – That'll be the 12th FBS coach who has been fired pre-November in the last two seasons. And 10 of them will have had three losses or fewer. Think about that. I I made the proposal that if your coach gets fired before November, that the NCAA should give those players a free year of eligibility. Like, Mm -hmm. I realize that they can transfer without penalty now, but you can make it to where the you can make it to where like the guys who stay are the ones who get the free year of eligibility. If you transfer, you don't get that year of eligibility back. Just cool I like
1: that a lot. That would be yeah. sick. Cause it's yeah. like, you could do the SMU and get your red shirt or whatever. If you want, Oh, you can stay and get a free year anyway,
0: that'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, if you, we, we did it in 2020 with COVID year. Mm-hmm. And it's not like we're, we're talking about, it's not like we're going to be talking about 50% of, of college players, but think about all these guys who are, are basically being told, after, th- after three losses or less, when you could, by the way, you can still be nine and three, go to a New Year Six Bowl. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that these teams would, but how much that sucks to be sitting there in September and to have your coach fired in your entire season is just kind of lost. It's like, that's, that's a bummer. Those, I think those guys should get that year of eligibility back. But anyway, just some food mm-hmm. for thought. As for this game, in their last five trips to Athens, Auburn scored a total of 37 points. They're averaging 7.4 points per visit in the last five trips to Athens. Not good. Haven't scored less than six. Haven't scored more than 10. So consistency, we should, we love consistency here. Yeah. You can predict consistency. That's fine. We love that. Robbie Ashford is set up to have a very bow. Knicks like day against Georgia. Um, I picture Robbie Ashford running for his life a lot in the same way that Bo Nix has every single time he has played Georgia all four times. I'm including the Oregon game as well. Mm-hmm. And that's even without Jalen Carter, who's going to be out two to four weeks with the MCL sprain. Georgia is expected to likely have Ad Mitchell back. By the way, I misspoke on the recap pod by saying he was back, but not fully healthy. I should have said that he traveled, but didn't play. Hopefully he's back Hopefully, Kenny McIntosh is back at full capacity. He was a leading rusher in the Mizzou game, but they kind of had to limit him in the passing game because he was fighting through an ankle thing. We know how huge he is in the passing game. I don't know how much of a difference he makes in the final results of this one. This would be the wildest of upsets on every front. It would because I still think that there are some people who say Georgia's always due for that trip-up game, and then they'll talk about 2019 South Carolina. My response to that is, do you realize that against teams outside of the top 15 of the AP poll since 2017, Kirby Smart is 46 and one. That's crazy. Top 15. We talked about that stat with Saban, right? Alabama from 2011 through the 2020 season did not lose to a team outside of the top 15 of the AP poll, right? Mm -hmm. Georgia is kind of in the midst of a similar type run. Obviously, you had the one blemish to South Carolina—a day that was just wild with the turnovers and the way that Georgia just totally collapsed in that game. Forty bucks up because I looked this up earlier. That was a noon kickoff, by the way. Oh yeah, good point. There are things <laughs> happen. Noon kickoffs. Your team's kicking yeah. off at noon. Your favorite? Uh, I don't know about it, man. Kirby's got ten total losses in that stretch. Nine of them were against top fifteen teams. So, this would be an upset of epic proportions. It wouldn't just be like, oh, you know, it's a rivalry game. Just throw out the records. I'd say, no, there's no sign whatsoever that this should happen for Auburn. None. Mm -hmm. Absolutely none. I'm not picking Auburn to win. I'm calling for a backdoor cover. Georgia wins 34 to 10. I don't necessarily think there's a specific number, again, that gets Brian Harson fired. He's not trying to cover to save his job. I don't think. It's optics. It's all about optics. Do you have yep. any sort of chance, any sort of life in the second half of this game? Does it look like Georgia just stomps all over you like they usually do? Um, a a backdoor cover, though. Think about this, Will. A backdoor cover would mean that Auburn scores a touchdown in the second half of this game. So, optics. You that- yeah. Finally, and the streak get to seven points. Don't go for two. Get that extra point. <laughs> get that t- as a treat. You could have a PAT, Brian Harsin. <laughs> yes, that was mean, though. I shouldn't have said that. Uh, I don't think it's a lack of fight with this Auburn team. I think it's a, a a lack of the the. I think it's a lack of coaching. I think it's a lack of talent, a lack of depth in the trenches, all those different things. Lack of offensive identity. Going to be an ugly day, I think, for Auburn. Georgia, meanwhile, bounces back and kind of squashes some of the "What's wrong with Georgia?" talk that we were having after last
2: week.
1: Yeah, I was going to say on that, like Auburn is one of the rare ones that it's like Georgia would benefit from just beating them to sleep because of how the success that Auburn has had historically recruiting the state of Georgia. There's always a guy or two that gets out of Georgia and into Auburn. And so if you're Kirby smart, you have the Mizzou game that you've been angry about all week, and then you have no incentive to help Brian Harsin out whatsoever. And that could be, could be a tough scene for Auburn this week.
0: Could be. It's been five years, I think, since Kirby beat a coach who then got fired that weekend. If I'm not mistaken, McElwain was the last one. Some mm-hmm. fake death threats led to that as well. Yeah, that's almost like an asterisk. because that yeah. was like, anyway. Butch, Butch yeah. was like a few weeks after they won like 41 to nothing in Knoxville. And I remember some Tennessee fans were like, hey, you know, we might have a chance at this one. And then you realize how far away your team is in that game. But Butch yeah. was not a direct result, but it felt like Kirby definitely played a part in, in that for Tennessee. And also not winning an SEC game that year probably led to that as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, Number 1 Alabama. Bama's 24 and a half point favorite. The over under I have three and a half references to either a dust up or a beef. I'm bummed. I'm bummed because this could have been such an incredible week of build up after what went down in May and if Jimbo had held up his end of the bargain The electricity on Saturday night would have just been off the charts. CBS, we know they banked on this game being interesting. They give Georgia and Auburn the the 330 slot. This gets the nighttime slot. Instead, we're talking about two games with massive spreads that nobody expects to be close. And while the slate is still good, the slate is still definitely good, it just kind of feels like a bummer. And maybe it'll still be an awesome hostile atmosphere in Tuscaloosa, but it would have just had so much more juice if AM could have been undefeated. We we're talking about perhaps the game of the year instead of a game that now looks like it's loaded with question marks, even though Alabama is obviously a significant favorite. No idea as of this recording, who will start at quarterback for either team, none whatsoever. Um, Tough to assume anything other than I, I don't know that the explosive passing place will be plentiful with either team. Don't really think Bama with the spots that Bryce Young would be in would try and try and get the passing game going and have him maybe exposed a little bit more and be a lot more quick hitting type stuff. And then AM with whatever they're trying to do on offense. Yeah. I just never bank on explosive passing place. Speaking yeah. of that, it's, it's, I mean, come on. I, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse with this one, but Context is still needed to describe just how bad it's been, how disappointing it's been. I did a side-by-side of the a and passing efficiency numbers this year compared to last year. It's baffling to see the way that this has played out. If you're just looking at numbers against FBS competition – a m went from 6.7 yards per attempt to 6.4. Quarterback rating went from 120.86 to 118.66. TD passes per game from 1.55 to 0.75. 30-yard passes per game from 0.91 to 0.5. Not good. Not good at all. The quarterback position that was going to have imminent improvement has not been the case whatsoever, and you can't convince me that it's just a byproduct of Haynes King not being good or Max Johnson being banged up. That's not the case at all. I would assume we're about to see Devon A-Chain empty the tank. They got the bye week after this one, and he's the only guy that can do anything on them, for, for them offensively. So why wouldn't you give him the ball 25 times? I think mean, that's realistic in this one. I would assume we're also going to see a ton of Jameer Gibbs. Something interesting to keep in mind. He's on pace for – if you do it for a 15-game pace, which – I just always do for Alabama stats because they're playing those games. They're playing those games. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. He's on pace for over 1700 scrimmage yards. His Heisman odds are 20 to one right now. What about Bryce Young? You ask something that I'll always bring up when the injuries happen for these guys, for these Heisman favorites in the last Mm -hmm. 42 years, Charlie Ward is the only Heisman trophy winner who missed a game against power five competition. Something to keep in mind for the Bryce Young repeat bid and all those different things. As messed mm-hmm. up as that is, if Bama does have Milrow out there, if Bryce is limited with the shoulder, I think a guy like Gibbs is, is about to see an uptick in work. And given how efficient he's been, that should bode really well for his Heisman odds improving. Again, not saying he's going to win the war, but you want to play a little, you know, a little interesting long shot at twenty to one. I still think that has that has some juice to it. As for this specific game, I think Bama can be. Pretty one dimensional and still get the offense going against AM because this is not the defensive front that they had last year. I don't think AM can be super one dimensional and still get the offense going against Bama because Will, Will Anderson still exists. Henry Toto playing so much better. I think he was really overrated the last two years, but he's finally playing at the level that we thought he'd be at. Sam Pittman was giving him some love as well before that game last week. Bama's defense is much better for it when Henry Toto is actually making those game-changing plays and not just getting beat in the, you know, in coverage and stuff like that. He looks really good. I can't see A&M string and scoring drives together in this one. I just can't. And I've probably not talked enough about the hell that Saban is going to want to unleash on Jimbo. And I'm, <laughs> I'm totally, I'm, I'm going to regret it. I know I'm going to regret it. I'm saying this right now. I'm going to regret picking a to cover 24 and a half. But I'm going to do it. a having an out-of-body experience against Bama for the second consecutive year would just be such a wild development. They'd probably just give Jimbo another raise. Just, why not? <laughs> Win a game like this, get a raise. I don't care if we got two losses. Doesn't matter if we end up eight and four. Uh, Jim Weber tweeted out the numbers that I went through over the summer related to how much Jimbo would get to be fired after each season. And there were so many people in my mentions the last 24 hours who came across like they didn't realize that the contract was this bad. Like, what do you right. think fully guaranteed money means? Listen to the podcast buddy cuz we we've, we've been
1: talking about this and I love how the AM boosters also floated like oh well you know they could be mulling this over it's like cool if you want to write like a 100 million dollar check or whatever it looks stupid go for it buddy go for it.
0: go for it you want to talk about buyouts and 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 how you're going to get some sort of reduced buyout um sure even if you want to reduce it from 86 million I look I don't think AM's firing him and I they're I, I think they're banking on not having to pay that buyout but we know that those numbers are crazy they're absolutely mm-hmm. crazy Will, is this going to be a saban Unleash Hell Game A la 2020 LSU? I think so, man. Man, that was so mean. I sorry, think so, man.
1: Sorry. I think for no, I think for similar reasons, because of the roll tide thing that hurt Alabama fans more than I've ever seen anyone hurt anyone. I'm so glad that that's the moment that's finally passed. But uh, the the to the point about Auburn and Georgia right it's like when you have this team that you have no incentive obviously it's a Saban disciple but they have beef at this point so that doesn't matter and you have a guy who beat you last year you have a guy who is competing with you uh you know according to Saban not totally above the board for recruits and if you're a recruit I mean logically based on what you've seen of these two programs like why would like I understand choosing like a hometown team? I get that. I understand choosing an Ole Miss or you know an Arkansas for their coach, but I don't know what logical college football prospect would choose a And M for any reason other than money over Alabama. And so for Alabama to be able to come out there and beat them by you know beat them to sleep, beat them by forty, and be like game in Tuscaloosa, yeah like it's like okay how nice is that check really you know what I'm saying like obviously with the NIL stuff they can they can still get paid anywhere and especially at Alabama they take care of those guys now we can say that legally and everything so yeah to that point um I, I think it's going to be probably a bloodbath because when Saban really wants one of those he gets it and to the point about Milrow it's like yeah how funny would that be if it was a backup quarterback just want to make a quick note on that very sad that this many quarterbacks are hurt to this point sucks. Um, you talk about it. it's yeah I mean and especially you know then the hard thing specific to this game I could go through all the, quarterbacks, but the hard thing specific to this game is so Max johnson's not healthy
0: we don't know if he's going he's coin flip to play
1: Yeah. So and we saw a little bit of this maybe with the Tennessee situation last year, but it's tough when the guy loses the job and then the other guy gets hurt and you got to go back to the original guy. And it's like, ah, we really only played you. You already lost the job. So it's always a tough situation. Obviously, Calzada won it last year, but he's not walking through that door. So, yeah, I think that beating Jimbo now beating Saban twice in a row would be almost as chaotic as Harsin beating Kirby right now.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think we could say Calzado won the job. I, I want that on record. I don't, I don't want to know.
1: No, on no, no, no. I'm just saying he's not there. I, mean, I I didn't say he won the job. I'm just saying he's not even this guy who won the game. Isn't even there Like you can't yeah. get Calzada magic again.
0: Yeah, that's true. I look, I, I don't know that Max Johnson's following that formula. I just, I don't, I don't think so. I think this one could get ugly, but again, for whatever reason, I'm just loving the dogs this week. And that's, I have for, for whatever reason I have, I have talked myself into A&M making this somewhat competitive, but, Overall, just a bummer that this game isn't getting the build up that it could have had had AM mm-hmm. held up its end of the bargain. Two more games to get to. But first, I want to tell everyone about something that I think is going to become a mainstay in whatever sort of tailgating grill setup that you have. Grill Blazer has two awesome revolutionary products. The grill gun is the flame throwing torch that, torch that you can use to start your charcoal grill in an instant, which is so much better than struggling to light those coals. Or you can use it to get that sear on your meat if you want to do that maybe you can get the sous vide gun the sous vide gun is for anybody that follows the the sous vide technique to be able to cook your food to the perfect temperature you want to get that sear on your meat bust out the sous vide gun be able to get that get those grill marks the exactly the way that you want make sure you lock in all those juices these things are incredibly cool you're going to bust this out of barbecues people are going to be like wow they know what they're doing it is unbelievably powerful uh, watch the videos and be like oh my gosh this is a a true flamethrower the way that this thing operates make sure you read the manual read the safety instructions become a master go to grillblazer.com where you can get 10 percent off your order go get one if you want to change the game for your grilling experience okay two more games to get to here number nine old miss 17 and a half point favorite at vandy the over under i have is nine and a half vandy points that's what Ole Miss is allowing against Power 5 opponents so far. Man. Granted, two games, not much. Small sample size, still impressive. The actual over-under for this game is 61.5 points, so the odds makers are saying, ah, Fannie's going to score more than 9.5 points against Ole Miss. If they score 9.5 points, I'll be super impressed. That'd be an amazing feat to do that. Yeah. Clark Lee, Clarkley's Lee's out here getting half points somehow. So some anybody can get half a point. It's Clark Lee. Though. Good point. Good point. So yeah, that not amazing at all to see that. Um, look, I, I think the way you beat Vandy, which look, you beat Vandy by one showing up and then two throwing the football. Vandy's pass defense, allowing a 13 to one TDI and T ratio, 8.1 yards per attempt allowed second worst in the SEC ahead of uh, Arkansas. Of course. Hmm quarterback rating of 152.2 which is basically what matt corral's quarterback rating was last year so on a weekly basis that's the type of game vandy is allowing not good mm-hmm. not particularly good they don't pressure the quarterback nobody on the team has multiple sacks through five games so you think all right easy place for Ole miss to get it done Ole miss is a service academy now <laughs> they, they are <laughs> It kind of goes against what they want to do. I mean, they can still throw the football, and I think they will, but the only team in the SEC averaging fewer passes per game is Arkansas, and they're separated by less than half an attempt per game. Does Lane trust Jackson Dart to throw the ball 35 times a game, or better yet, will they need to? Something I forgot to mention in the recap pod that I saw Josh Pate bring up with Dart He did a tremendous job handling so many bad snaps with that new center in the game, which Mm -hmm. definitely made a difference in that Kentucky game and not necessarily having one of those costly turnovers because it looks like, man, every single time he's reaching down at his ankles to try and pull up one of these balls and, and still be able to keep a play alive and still stay on schedule and do all those things. I think that spread 17 and a half lower than some would expect. I could see a scenario in which AJ Swan surprisingly makes some plays early. Vandy fans listening to this, I know you're out there, are saying mm-hmm. it's not surprised to see AJ Swann making plays. That's what he does. He's been pretty good so far. He's been pretty good, all things considered. Um, maybe he makes some plays early. Ole Miss kind of has to fight back in this one, and then they only win by two scores, and it's a 35-21 game. So again, I'm riding with the dogs. Give me Ole Miss to win, Vandy to cover the spread. Any thoughts on this? Or can we just keep rolling.
1: The the over under the under feels safe to me. I feel like after that great game last week by Chris Partridge, just you know. But hey, you're having fun, and Vandy. You've already hit
0: the over, so true. It's gravy. Hey, yeah, all champagne's gravy. been popped. We've already we've already had it. All good. Mm-hmm. Hey, bust out more champagne. You covered the spread in this one. Just saying, life could always be worse. South Carolina, number thirteen, Kentucky. Kentucky's a ten point favorite. The over under I have is four turnovers. Will Levis, Spencer Radler. They've got to be better with ball security. No secret about that. These teams have a combined 21 turnovers this year, eight from Kentucky, 13 from South Carolina. Not all of those are on those quarterbacks, but obviously both of these guys, they can make all the throws. We know the physical ability is there, but forcing throws, perhaps not being as sound in their footwork has been a bit of an issue at times. South Carolina is not going to have a chance in this game if that continues. And Mm -hmm. that can be Rattler or it can be something like Xavier Leggett dropping two balls that leads that end up leading to interceptions, like what happened against South Carolina State in that game. Um, It's been really disappointing seeing the way that this has played out so far with the weapons that South Carolina has, which I was really Mm -hmm. high on. And I kept talking about in the offseason hey, if you're one of these people that is saying that Spencer Rattler is not going to have any weapons to operate with, that just tells me you haven't watched South Carolina. I, we, we have struggled to see it so far consistently from a lot of these guys we thought were going to be staples of the offense. I'm going to be honest. I forgot Josh Van was on the roster. I think South Carolina has two because he has three catches for 13 yards. He had a 600-yard season last year, and he was someone who was third among SEC returners in catches of 30 yards behind Cedric Tillman and Brock Bowers. And he doesn't have a catch of 10 yards this year. I mean, that's bad. He's played 124 snaps. And I mean, he's had more of an impact probably in special teams. He had a muff punt, but still like it just hasn't been there for him yet. They haven't been able to stretch the field. How much of that is the offensive line? How much of that is the play calling? It's just been ugly. I was texting with my guy, Brad Crawford about this. Two scrimmage touches for two yards all year for DK Joyner. That is a massive bummer. 49 offensive snaps playing basically just on special teams. Now, not really a whole lot else the way that they're using him. I hate that. This is a guy who could have gone elsewhere and played quarterback. Beamer said that after the Mayo bowl and, It felt like he was going to have a bigger role in the offense. And that just hasn't been the case. And when they haven't got going, they haven't even decided to turn to him. You know, the pop passes, the screens, that stuff. It just hasn't really been there. South Carolina fans are really fed up with Marcus Satterfield right now. And even coming off of the two kind of exhale games, we face Charlotte, you face South Carolina State. But I can't blame them for the frustration. And it feels like this game is really pivotal for him moving forward. It's hard to work around a bad offensive line, but this is just, a very important game for what he's going to mean for this program. If Shane Beamer is going to have to make a move at season's end going on the road, a little bit of extra rest for the Thursday game. I'm going to guess we see a healthy dose of Marshawn Lloyd in this one. He has looked awesome recently. I think Kentucky plays this one closer than it should. I do. I think it's a low scoring game. I think both quarterbacks make some mistakes more frustration on the Kentucky side from the lack of running lanes and how hard C Rod has to work just to get four yards, or he meets a guy, smacks him at the, like the, you know, one yard past the line of scrimmage. And they're like, oh, he still is able to get three additional yards because he's Chris Rodriguez. But you need more than that. You just need more than that if you're going to actually be able to establish the run consistently. 24 21, Kentucky win. And I guess twenty-four would be assuming that Mark Stoops hasn't personally kicked his kicker into next week. I don't think he has. Poor guy. Really? All I
1: right. All right, so this, this game is at Kentucky, right?
0: Game is at Kentucky.
1: Oh, if this game was at South Carolina, this would be something. I wish I wish it were. But so Sicko's game of the week. Are we thinking Mizzou, Florida or South Carolina, Kentucky?
0: I, no, I think, Mizzou, I think Mizzou, Florida has a little bit more potential for, for wonkiness. This one mm-hmm. does as well because of the turnover factor and the right. way that that's played out. But it, um, we, we can say the nighttime Sickos game, this has potential for that. Yeah, definitely.
1: I just as much as we love Kentucky and boy do we love Kentucky I just wish that Kentucky like play has one of those weird Kentucky games where they just can't figure it out and they're just in a dog fight with South Carolina like for my own viewing pleasure cuz the other way is that you know South Carolina just can't stop the run or throw the football and it's a blowout I would love for this to be a chaotic game and it really could be um yeah I think I think it, that those are the two ways it goes it's a blowout or it's super chaotic and I'm really rooting for that
0: yeah. I uh, just hope this one is competitive, but a, a one score game would be really interesting. And um, I don't know if Mark Stoops is, I mean, he's no longer facing the South Carolina is going to beat you every single year thing, where <laughs> he just is able to win those games outright. But right. you can tell Mark Stoops, not the biggest fan of Shane Beamer. He's just not. <laughs> and maybe he's got a little bit extra in the tank for this one. Um, but I think this should be a good game in Lexington on Saturday nights. Lock of the week. Thank you. Utah. Always trust in Utah. Always trust in Utah. They wow. blew the doors off. Against <laughs> not them. that hey, one. <laughs> hey, hey. I always trust in Utah when they're not playing an SEC team. How about that? There you right? go. um, they're they're going to end up going 10 and two with one of those losses being to Florida and they're going to mm-hmm. kick themselves forever. They're going to win the Pac-12 and they're going to be sitting there like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that we had that one mistake and that cost us a chance to go to the playoff and get just trounced by Ohio state or Alabama. Nonetheless, it's going to <laughs> feel like this big, what if we're going back to playoff teams for lock of the week, Ohio state 26 and a half point favorite at Michigan state Spartans are sorry this year. Oh, bad. Yeah. they are bad. Three power, five games, three double digit losses, Buckeyes guys beat them by 49 last year when they're actually good. So this spread, which I get it, Ohio state, they have some injury issues right now. They've got 14 guys out, including Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. They might be getting Trevion Henderson back, but either way, I don't know. Ohio State has owned Michigan State. I mean, they beat them by at least 20 points each of the last five years. Mm-hmm. I I think that Ohio State's able to roll in this one pretty comfortably. So I will go with the Buckeyes to get me back to 500. Just trust the playoff teams. Trust the playoff teams. They yeah, can't not cover it.
1: I, I it's been hard to imagine a coach after one year getting so much like credit the way that Mel Tucker did. And then like, because at the time I was like, OK, like this is a good season. We're not, you know, we love Walker and everything. We understand. But that it's
0: contract, like contract. Yeah.
1: But, yeah, but yeah. Like they gave him that contract and maybe there was a couple of jobs were open that they we're looking at him or whatever but it was like are we sure this guy is like this great top 10 coach and no no
0: we're is the answer we're not. yeah the LSU job was a potential was a potential mm-hmm. um, 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 candidate he was a candidate for that but this this contract already is kind of like oh man wait, he's getting how much money guaranteed yeah. on a 10 year deal 10 year fully guaranteed contracts I cannot wait to see the aftermath of it. It's going to be a bloodbath with some of the buyouts that are paid moving forward. And if you think it's really bad that we're seeing buyouts like, you know, anywhere from 8 million to what is it like? Who's who's the biggest? I guess Frost was was like right around 15, 16 million because Paul Chris, credit to him, negotiated his buyout from 19 million down to 11 million just so that he could get the buyout and not mm-hmm. have to necessarily wait on it, not necessarily have the offset money, all that stuff as well. But yeah, buyouts are, they're going to get even crazier if people like Mel Tucker don't hold up their end of the bargain. So yeah, this one probably not going to be his best day. Mm-hmm. All right, let's kick it to Harrison Mevis. I said the other day that we were going to have him on if Mizzou won, but then I was like, ah, screw it. We'll have him on either way. Don't really care. It was awesome. Yeah. To watch yeah. Yeah, he was he was fantastic. Love the redemption game that he was able to have. Uh, it look, he would have been the MVP of that game against Georgia had they won. You can't convince me otherwise. So awesome seeing him bounce back. Here is the thicker kicker. I'm now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is the official kicker of the Saturday Down South Podcast, the thicker kicker himself, Harrison Meavis. Harrison, I, I'd like to assume that when you walked into this interview, you had the same strut that we saw
2: when you were bombing kicks against Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fred, no, that, that was a fun time too. That was really fun. Have you just been walking around campus like that?
0: Because, I mean, after the the Saturday that you had, and we'll, we'll get to the Auburn stuff, but I got
2: to imagine that there's a different sort of balance in your step after having a game like that. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, i have I'm, I'm, as going into the week, I was pretty confident, you know, after the bummed out uh, Auburn game we had. Um, but no, especially when number one Georgia comes into town, you know, um it, it was a fun game so take me back
0: to to saturday in, in a lot of ways you know it, it actually felt like it set up really well for you to to kind of have this redemption game you get a chance to face number 1 team in the country so you know the place you know is going to be rocking you're at home different kind of atmosphere and you, it works out that you get several opportunities early in the game. And instead of kind of overthinking it, which I'm not saying that's what you did, but instead of even having to go down that path, you get the adrenaline flowing. You get a chance to kind of get into a rhythm. What what was that mindset like? You talk about having that confidence going into Saturday because it looked like you had all the confidence in the world and like the previous Saturday didn't even happen.
2: Yeah, and that that's really what the life of a kicker is. You really just got to be focused on the next kick. You got to have a short memory um yeah no I was really just focused on the next kick you're only you're only as good as the next kick is what my coach coach link says to me all the time and it, it honestly is pretty true um but yeah just focused I was very concentrated on the job and task at hand um I knew that going into the game it's number one Georgia you got to have every single point you can get Uh. you know um against these guys so Yeah, you were the offense in that game. I mean, there was no, no, you know, the offense has to get in position for me to attempt it. So it's partly on them, but the defense played amazing as well, too. So,
0: yeah, when you hit from 56, we do the thing where when a kicker makes a really long kick, we we say, oh, that would have been good from 66. I'm not asking you to say how good you would have been based on distance. I'm asking based on your vibe in that moment, how long did you feel like you would have been good from?
2: No, uh, yeah, I mean it's tough to really estimate. I, I I'm comfortable from 16 in. I know I was smoking those balls pretty well. Um, I wasn't even hitting them that that hard, you know. And that was really the mindset. I just just be smooth. Smooth is fast for me, and um, yeah, I was hitting pretty good though.
0: You're like the equivalent of the golfer who doesn't take practice swings, and you can just get up there and grip it and rip it because. You're not a you're not a practice kick guy, are you? Like in in game, that is.
2: Um, I th- some guys are. They they. It's different. I do take practice swings. It's it's not so much that. It's more so of a you don't want to kill your leg kind of thing. Um, it's kind of like a we're kind of like pitchers. We have a, we're on a pitch count. You can only you know, and so if you go over that, you're gonna be you're gonna get more tired. Your legs gonna feel you're gonna feel it. And so um, really, I just for me, I'm not really. I don't need that many practice swings. Every time I go out to kick, I don't need to get a practice swing every time I go out there. Now, I do sometimes. Sometimes I do. But if I'm feeling good and I don't feel like need it, I'll stretch a little bit and, I, and I'll and i go right on out there. So, Do you ever know when you're going to have a bad day? Uh, no, not really. But, I mean, there's some days where if I'm not hitting quite what I want to hit in pregame, I know it's going to be a good game just because you're getting all those mishits out right then and there there you and go So you go out and it's like oh wow okay so but yeah no i mean you don't really know it's it's just like golf you know you go out there you don't know how good you're gonna you know so but,
0: be honest, how much motivation was there when you guys saw the chase daniel tweet and you're like oh it's on and popping <laughs> oh, yeah. no, there were guys children.
2: there were guys talking about that yeah that was that was awesome so <laughs> After that game, I mean, you still got
0: the you still got the big cat bump, you know, given a couple grand to be able to go out and have a good time. I know you guys don't win that game, so it's a different kind of vibe, but what what is the overall mood in the locker room on a game like that, which was just I mean, not all losses are created equal, of course, and like we do the moral victory thing. I'm not saying that you guys had a moral victory, but what is the vibe like in that locker room afterwards when you know that it's right there? You guys are leading the entire time. And as a four touchdown underdog, you guys almost pulled off what would have been the story of the year so far in college football.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think we we really went into the game expecting to win, it, you know, and that was that was the locker room before and after, you know, I think we were quite bummed, but. I think we showed, we showed, we play with heart. This team's going to play with heart all season. And I think it just brought a, some sort of excitement into the group and it was, you know, it, it we didn't win, but I think it was kind of a moral victory. We kind of needed to play good that game. And I think, I think we showed our fans who are amazing. We showed that we can do that. So.
0: Okay. So got to go back to the Auburn game. You're the guy who has never missed an extra point in your career and 26 down the pipe. That's essentially a done deal for for somebody like you. The kick fades right in your mind. Why did you miss that kick?
2: Yeah, I mean, I that's a good question. Honestly, um, I think it's just it goes back to the fundamentals. Uh, I didn't I didn't fall through. I I picked my head up, expecting to make the kick, and sometimes that kind of it doesn't allow you to bring your leg up and through, which you need to do to you know be hit a good ball and hit it right down the middle. It, it was just a little – it just wasn't a good hit. It just – you know, and things are going to happen like that where um, your technique, your fundamentals just aren't there for some odd reason and you miss a kick. It's all about how you rebound. But, it, I mean, ideally, if we could – I really do want games to if to come to me if they need to because I feel like hundred out of hundred times I make that kick. Um, but it, 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 you know, the offense did what they needed to do to win the game. And that's, that's really, you know, that's where the focus was at for the offense. And for me, I know that I'm going to make that kick next time. So, and there, I'm, I'll leave no doubt.
0: Was there a sense of disbelief when, when you see that fade, right? Cause it looks like at first it's going in and then it just kind of keeps fading and fading. And, and then you're like, wait a minute, how, how did that not go in when you've, done that kick you know with your eyes closed probably before
2: yeah I, I hit the ball lower on my foot so I'm kind of the first one to kind of realize that it's not good com- compared to everyone else I know whether it's going in or not um it, it I it, it went over the upright I I kind of figured it wasn't good I just didn't hit it you know like I always do so and you know stuff stuff's gonna happen like that so
0: what do you want in that in that moment I've I've always wondered this like you know, I, I've always wondered, kind of, what kickers so and, and everybody's different. Not not everybody's the same, so I shouldn't say that. But like, when you go to the sideline and you realize, like, all right, this this just happened. Do you want people kind of coming up to you, giving you a pat on the back? Do you want people to just get out of your way because you're like, I'm gonna explode if somebody says the wrong thing to me? Like, where where is your head at in those moments?
2: Yeah, um, in that ball game, I think I, there wasn't one person that didn't, you know pat me on the back and like tell me that there, there's going to be another chance for me. And honestly, you know, I was thinking, you know, it was next kick. I, we were still going to overtime. Yeah. Um, I, I had to be ready no matter what for the next kick. I don't, I had to put whatever I just did behind me and I had to really focus in on what I was going to do next. And unfortunately we just, we just came up short in overtime, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is a bummer that, that happened but I, I think this team really does a good job of you know um you know really patting me on the back and you know no rem- trying to get me to remember who i am kind of sort of, in a way but they do it you know so
0: everybody does this thing where we play the results and we say oh you know yeah. running the wall from the kneeling the ball from the three yard line and, 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 a missed kick like that. And then, you know, you see drink say afterwards, I'm going to give him that opportunity every single time I'm I'm going to take that bet. That's like, I got pocket aces. I'm going yeah. all in I'm, I'm th- those odds are in my favor. What did that mean to see your head coach kind of come out and go to bat for you? Because we've seen in other instances where head coach will throw a kicker under the bus and say like, just, just make the kick, man. But to see drink come out and have your back like that in that moment, what did that kind of do for you?
2: Yeah no that it, he's he's shown confidence and trust in me since day one um and that it, it's unbelievable and it helps me a lot so it does, does a lot of confidence as well so
0: does he like what is what does he say to you um not only after the game but like like during the week i mean is is there any sort of difference or is it just the same thing hey you, we're, we're going to rely on you a million times this year we're going to need you to kind of be right is he like checking in on you or how does how does that process work
2: Uh, No, he doesn't check in on me. I think it's the same process as uh, as any other week. I think, uh, um, you know, it's it's, there's nothing different as a kicker. You don't really want to change too much. You don't want to get in his head. You don't want to, you know, certain stuff like that. It's not much of a difference.
0: Did you how many times did you did you watch the kick? at all just to just to be able to make those those adjustments because you can feel something in the moment, but then something like that where you'll see maybe something. Oh, you didn't you didn't do something that you you actually felt like you did, probably mechanically speaking. How many times did you kind of watch that over just to just to be able to make sure that you you didn't have a mistake like that moving forward?
2: Yeah. We so we went back and watched film. I I probably watched it for a solid five minutes just to watch every single little detail of what I did and I learned from it, I a hundred percent got better from that, that instance. I've never been put in an instance where I missed a, you know, a kick like that. And so I think, um, and in the end, I'm going to be a much better kicker because I missed that. And it is unfortunate that it happened, but the only, the only way to move forward is to get as good as possible from that moment.
0: Is it is it big when you get a first quarter field goal like that, like in the Georgia game, to kind of be like, all right, we're we're calm, we're good, because it wasn't just you know you had the two missed kicks against Abilene Christian too, where you know you're you're the guy who I think you would that was like as many misses as you had off last year, so for you to be in a, in a in a funk like that, super super rare with how consistent you've been, but to get that first quarter kick against Georgia, that's just kind of calm the nerves a little
2: bit yeah i I always say you know going and in, going into a game if we just get through that first kick um and then we'll be on a roll from there so it, it really is just about getting that first kick out of the way in any game honestly because you know emotions are different and everything like that so or
0: what were the interactions like after the Georgia game where you know, like that's from game to game, you know, you could talk about like searching your mentions on Twitter or searching DMs or something like that, just seeing kind of what shows up, but going from what probably the, you know, the, the talk was at, after Auburn compared to what it was against Georgia. I got to imagine that was just night and day.
2: Yeah. There, there was a lot of love within the team. Um, I mean, some of these new guys that are on the team haven't experienced, you know, me going out there and making five for five kicks before like a lot of most of my other teammates have, Um, but yeah, no, they, they showed a lot of love and credit to Sean Ketting, my holder and Daniel Hawthorne, my long summer, they had a fantastic night as well. It wasn't just me and everyone putting their bodies on the line for field the field goal unit. So no, there there was a lot of love within the, within the team. And I think it was just a much needed moral victory for everyone. So
0: any adjustments, like, were there, were there any adjustments that, um, maybe somebody reached out to you and say, Hey, I noticed that you are doing this or something like that to, to kind of get you through, like that was there anything you know mechanically or something like that anything that was that was tweaked that you just saw all right you know what this is something that i could take away from this moving forward and i know now how to kind of troubleshoot in these moments
2: um I, there really wasn't any tweaks if anything i kicked less actually mm. um just to get your mind off of it um and really kicking less is was probably my one adjustment i didn't really change anything um you know, I, I know my ability in certain, you know, aspects. I feel like I'm kind of like a student of kicking. I, I almost know almost every scenario um, if something needs fixed, if something doesn't, if I need to tweak something or something like that. So, but no, I, I didn't tweak. I I trust my ability and um, I yeah, I didn't tweak anything. The correct answer was actually just like,
0: don't listen to Imagine Dragons
2: before yeah. a game. We're going
0: to get a different song. Do you have a, a go-to kind of pump up, pump up song before a game?
2: Uh, you know that's actually funny because I feel like as a kicker, you kind of have to, you know, you kind of have to do the opposite. Some guys are getting amped up. As a kicker, you kind of just have to like calm down, relax. Um, I I listen to some country. I listen to you know um, some pop. I, I and some some of the what the guys put up in the locker room. But I mean, it's it's different. I try to kind of calm myself down and relax a little bit. So
0: okay, let's talk country. Who are your go tos right now?
2: Oh, you got zach brown band thomas red you know you get all the you know all the good ones i honestly i don't think i really have a favorite i just i listen to it in general so
0: thomas red are we talking like early stuff new stuff new stuff's a little little bit on the poppy side yeah it's a little on the
2: poppy it kind of has gotten a little poppy uh old and new some of the new stuff i'm still trying to get into but i mean it's all it's all good so
0: Yeah, I think you just you just turn on whatever and just kind of that that kind of gets you in that right mindset. That makes a lot of sense for a kicker to be able to to relax and exhale. Uh, Last question for you. You've got two years of eligibility left because of the COVID year, but you are draft eligible this year. I know we don't talk a lot about kickers going early, but then again, there's not a lot of kickers making a ton of 50 yard bombs the way that you have over the course of your career. I'm not going to ask you if you're going pro and you're not. I know you have made that decision yet, but how will you go about that process? Because like, (laughs) For you that's got to be an actual decision that's going to be made and now in this day and age we've got kickers and punters that are coming out with i'm coming back graphics and videos and all that yeah. stuff.
2: um it, it it's something that will probably thought be thought about later on in season i i really don't want to think about it uh, it's it it's like kind of like uh you planning a vacation or something like that you don't want to worry about it. you got to worry about what you're doing right now um I haven't thought about it much. I I really just got to focus on my next kick. And like I said, at the beginning of the interview, you're only good. You're only as good as your next kick. So um, I'm really just focused on going out against Florida and having my first kick be my best kick I've ever had. So
0: love it. Love it. Harrison really appreciate the time, man. Awesome stuff. It was great to see you bounce back the way that you did. Uh, Yeah. We'll have to do this again sometime, man.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Thanks for having me.
1: How about this one? I call it bold and bright. More like belongs
2: in the trash. (laughs) Sorry, I must have missed that one.
0: Harrison Meavis was brought to you by No House Advantage. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Playing pickup contests versus other people for the shot at winning $250,000 plus in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills versus the house and win 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player props, over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league including nfl nba mlb pga mma and nascar sign up now with promo code stochastic that's s-t-o-k-a-s-t-i-c do that at knowhouseadvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to 25 dollars. make sure to check out no house advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play but also where you play you won't want to miss out on this Bold and brash time. We're talking running backs. Week six, SEC running back edition. I kind of was thinking about this. Between Rocket Sanders, Devon Ain, C-Rod, a healthy Marshawn Lloyd who's just hurtling dudes, running through dudes. Tank when he actually gets the football and Brian Harson doesn't pretend that he's just like some scrub who should just be on the end of the bench. Um, Quinshawn Judkins, Jameer Gibbs, Trevor Etienne looks fun already. Mm-hmm. It just feels like there are a lot of guys that I watch – and if they get anything short of 20 carries, which I realize that's the way that this works in college football these days, all I right. just find myself saying they need to get the ball more. That's mm-hmm. most of the SEC with these guys. Some good backs, some really good backs. I think those all SEC running back spots are going to be very earned by season's end. So kind of figure mm-hmm. with all the optimism that we're seeing about tailbacks, kind of at a high at this point of the season, now would be a good time to be able to do some bold and brash well, who's your favorite guy to watch of that group? Or maybe it's somebody that I didn't bring up. Maybe a certain healthy John Emery. Oh, man. You know it's Gibbs.
1: It makes me so sad how much I love Gibbs. I just uh, – the, the second half of that game, we we talked about it in the offseason. He was like our our impact guy. And with Bryce Young, obviously we hoped and thought that Bryce Young would be healthy. But with him out, it's like – I'm not going to say they don't need Bryce Young. Because Bryce Young's awesome. But that's like the guy you would want on that team is a guy who can catch the ball, run the ball, hit your screens. He can kind of do a little – if you want to run him at Wildcat, you can. He's awesome.
0: He is very, very fun and something something that feels unique, the home run playability and how he's going to continue to be utilized. But yeah, again, like I said before, I think he's his his volume is going to increase and he's in for a really, really big year. All right. Saturday on South podcast Facebook group. If you have not joined that, you definitely should. We have a lot of responses talking bold and brash predictions for SEC running backs in week six. Start with, I like this one from Sarthik Sharma. Sarthik says, Mississippi State's rush raid, trademark pending, uh, will mm-hmm. get over 150 yards against Arkansas. I love rush raid. You know I love mm-hmm. alliteration. Big fan of that. Trademark pending on that one. We will give Sarthik all the credit in the world. Mississippi State runs the ball. They're not afraid to run the ball with Dylan Johnson. They, they, they are more than willing to, in some mm-hmm. of these tight spots, say a handoff. What is that? and they'll do it, and they could do it to an Arkansas defense that might be just a little bit gassed after the week that they had against Alabama, and we'll kind of maybe test that depth a little bit, take some of the pressure off of those tackles so that you don't just have Drew Sanders kind of pinning his ear back, uh, his ears back in that matchup, but, yeah, I'm on board with that. I think that could very well happen in 150 rushing yards. I don't know how many times that's happened for Leach since he's been at Mississippi State. Can't imagine very much. <laughs> that's bold. Yeah,
1: especially against FBS. Yeah, it's wild to see Leach like innovate this late in his career. But against LSU, I saw it a ton that like they were, like you said, they were trusting those backs and they were like on fourth down running up the middle. It was like, okay, man, like sure. So I would love to see that because when that offense gets predictable, it's bad. But you need an element of that to keep it honest and keep make it fun.
0: You know, need that definitely. And I, I like I said, I, I think this is partially because Leach is realizing against these elite defenses. You need that to a certain extent. And you, you saw what happened against Bama last year. I'm not saying that all of a sudden running the ball 15 times against Bama is going to be the difference, but you got to at least give yourself a chance to be willing to make those tweaks. By the way, he was on one today on the SEC coaches teleconference. Our friend Alyssa Lang got him started about the marriage stuff, the marriage advice that she asked for <laughs> uh, after the game. And then Leach went on the SEC teleconference and spent like five of his 10 minutes just talking about weddings and talking about how people that are not involved in the wedding think that they're more important than they actually are it was it was peak leech and he was basically asleep for the first 5 minutes until that subject came out shout out to Glenn Gilbo who asked that question um, mm. and kind of got leech rolling but yeah he's a uh, he's got a lot of wedding takes man whole lot of wedding takes andrew dg Acomo says LSU has two players rush for 100 yards as LSU grinds away at Tennessee and keeps their offense on the sidelines. Which two? Armani Goodwin? Noah Kane? John Emery? Noah Josh Kane getting hundreds. Yeah, could be. Hey, is, does he have a scholarship yet?
1: Dude, I don't know. He's been there long enough. He has a doctorate.
0: I mean, hey, that's, that's what I love to see. Like, I would love to talk to all of these guys who have been at places for – Six years and stuff like the, the fifth and six year guys, all the 24 year old quarterbacks, just mm-hmm. what, what your day looks like from a school standpoint, when you already, yeah. you've had your master's for, for over a year or something like that. You're just maybe, maybe you're just chilling. I know there's, there've been stories done about that, but with these specific guys, I feel like with a sixth year senior that takes on kind of a new life. What, yeah. what, what does your day look like? <laughs> How much school are you playing in the words of the great Cardell Jones Cardell man yeah this would be a this is a prayer right now this is a dream
1: 200 rushing yards from like one, two different hundred yard rushers like I said to me if, if Elicia could run the ball I think that would be awesome uh yeah not optimistic
0: but I hope maybe eh, uh Adam Stockton says see rod 200 total yards two rushing Tds or one receiving TD and one rushing this South Carolina defense um I all things considered, while they have struggled in the trenches, not a terrible run defense. I think it's tough to evaluate how they looked against Arkansas. That Arkansas game they didn't really have much of a chance in that one. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it wouldn't necessarily be a surprise to see C-Rod C. have a big day. Stoops talked about him still kind of getting that conditioning back. Game speed is different than being able to go through those reps in practice. He was working with the second teamers. He was working with the scout team guys pretty much leading up to that, uh, that old Miss game last week. But C-Rod looked great. C-Rod looked great. The only thing I would push back on is, I don't think that Kentucky offensive line is opening up the way for 200 rushing yards. They're just not on that level. They aren't. The small blue wall. Small blue the wall. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, who, somebody had this. Who had the the big blue gate? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's good. I, I'm blanking on who on who thought of that. It, it definitely wasn't me, but I, I saw that. That was pretty good. Uh, Let's go with this one from... Can we do the Grant Haney one? Yes, let's. Oh, that is a good one. That's a good one. Uh, Grant says Gibbs goes for 304 yards and breaks the single game rushing record set by Sean Alexander during the Clinton administration. We love great presidential administration <laughs> references. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's practically our entire brand. Uh, mm-hmm. His record setting run comes on an 85 yard touchdown run. Why 85 yards to remind the A&M faithful of the $85 million still owed to Jimbo for continued eight and four seasons. So it's funny you say $85 million <laughs> because don't you know it? What do I have right here? The, the Iowa Jimbo. football notebook is back with the buyout on there. I keep him close by. You know that we do. Mm -hmm. jimbo is 50 grand away from being at at 86 million Mm
2: -hmm. with
0: the money that he's going to be owed 85 million nine hundred fifty thousand dollars that he is still owed after this year so yeah i mean that's that's a fair number um that would be that would be a a very painful reminder for for a and m to have that happen in year five 304 yards i mean i won't rule it out for gibbs I won't he's that good and they're going to rely on him a ton I mean you see the crease that he gets with with those stretch plays where it it's it doesn't look like the biggest hole in the world to run through but at the same time you're just like oh yeah he's gone you kind of know it the second mm-hmm. he hits that gap and he did that at Georgia Tech too behind an offensive line that wasn't particularly good so maybe I, my my brain is just so programmed to watching him on those home run plays that when he gets a gap like that, I'm just like, yep, he's gone. Going so yeah, maybe he's gonna do it like three times in this game. I don't know. Yeah, this is as they
1: say in Libertad, you get the show. You got to buy out. You got to. President Clinton reference and like you gotta think too though if you're if you're saving right like you've pretty much rewritten every Alabama record book you know you got well, at this point four Heisman winners yeah you got, huh? yeah and you know you have a receiver to win the Heisman that could we could play football for 300 more years and that might not happen again at Alabama you got all this different stuff but the rushing record would be really interesting we talked about the Derek Thomas one that probably won't get broken by Will Anderson now like he would have had to average like three or four sacks a game for his career because he played one fewer a year but it would be really cool to like get you know really just go like wait T against a and just keep running the
0: ball and end up with 300 yards i love that love it get jace mcclellan rotated in there yeah get get all the backs going in this one and just decide we're going to be a service academy no problem whatsoever give it give the alabama the alabama purists the game that they've been waiting for 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 years this this is your opportunity to be able to do it
1: run the dang ball yeah
0: of course uh does every single fan base have that hat even Mississippi State fans, do they do they have that hat? <laughs> I think they There's
1: do. Some old Mississippi State fans like we were, we ran more, we had, we won more, we had Booby dicks. right?
0: Yeah, longing for those days, of course. Uh, let's go to this one. Let's do a couple more here. Uh, let's go. Alex Chance says Bama has two separate backs rush for over 150 yards each, leaning heavily on the run game without Bryce. Two separate backs. I'm guessing that would be McClellan and Gibbs more than 300 yards still 300 yards not individual but still getting to 300 yards yeah i Mm -hmm. probably should have done an over under for Bama rushing yards in this game it's gonna be a lot it's Mm gonna be a whole whole lot um all right let's end with this i like this one i realize this isn't running back but that's okay uh kyle warner says hooker even though he's not a running back goes for 300 in the air and 100 on the ground four touchdowns total in this one If he does that top three in the Heisman conversation, I think he's sitting at number four, number five right now, something like that. Mm -hmm. His odds, his odds get a nice uptick. There's going to be a lot of people watching this game. A lot of people. And that's kind of, that is the nice thing is as weird as those noon games are. That is the nice thing about a game like this is you kind of, you get a unique spotlight. This has Mm -hmm. potential. I I don't want to call my shot too much, but this has potential to be Arkansas old mess of last year. I'm, I'm just saying, definitely does. That was a noon game as well, and it sure was, Goddard. By the end of it, you're just like, I need this to last forever. This is incredible, and nothing mm-hmm. is going to quite be able to top that. If it, if this gets into a fun shootout back and forth, I mean, that would favor Tennessee. One would think in a game like this, they're more comfortable playing in a game like that. But um, if Hooker has a game like that. It'll be more than RG3 talking about him as a potential Heisman favorite. I can guarantee that. Yeah, I, and to your point, we got three pretty good games at noon. I don't know why Auburn-Georgia is at 3.30, but whatever.
1: Yeah, if you got three TVs, if you got got like a phone, you're watching SEC football because a lot of really good ball should be played. We talked about the stick matchup. That's at noon, too. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think our boy Handog's could have a good day. I, I hate to say it, but I think it's going to happen.
0: Let's end with some Lad of the Week. Um, I've got one for our guy Josh Pate new contract. If you didn't see the video, you should follow Josh Pate on Twitter. If you don't follow at late kick Josh, he's got like a billion followers. So you don't need me saying that, but nonetheless, uh, I really like Josh and he got a new contract with CBS and 24 seven sports. Josh is one of the people who I find myself rooting for, even though he's a competitor. Mm -hmm. I, I honestly do. And I, we need more people like Josh who cover the sport. I think 2020 and dealing with kind of the the COVID conversation about people who cover the sport, who hate football. I think some of that still exists. I wasn't one of the people saying that just because you report negative news means that you hate football. But at the same time, I do think that 2020 kind of forced a lot of people to look in the mirror. And to Mm -hmm. be honest, myself included to a certain extent and be like, all right, how much do I really like this sport? You know, Mm -hmm. because this is, this is such an interesting time in the sports history and the way that we discuss it, the way that we talk about it, Josh Pate, you never questioned that with him at all whatsoever. And, you know, love to see our guy getting rewarded like that because he works his tail off. And so now he's going to be able to afford all the protein shakes he could ever want.
1: (laughs) That's the dream,
0: isn't it? That That's organic protein.
1: Um, that, that vegan protein. Anyway, so I have a joint lab of the week. I, I teased this a little bit earlier in the last show, but it's our boy Mivas who we just had on and Chris Partridge. I think that both of them had similar stories this week. Obviously, it was a loss for Mivas. We talked about it. The result does not matter. He is a kicker. He scored. He was the highest scoring player yes. in that game. He did every little thing he could. Um, But, you know, I just like to tell a little story with these. So you had two guys that were kind of doubted early, right? You had Mivas where we talked. We joked about it with, the oh, he doesn't take practice kicks. Missing the cake before they ultimately could have lost Mizzou the game, did lose Mizzou the game, and then you know. Partridge, same deal. Like we said, they lost DJ Durkin. and how's the defense going to be? Da, da, da. And then you watch on Saturday and you got two guys who are unabashedly themselves. You yeah. know, Mavis is not out there practicing 100 kicks for the cameras. He is doing what got him there. Partridge, same deal. He's not out there in a blazer. He's not out there in a suit. He's out there belly out jiggling around just like me. He's just like me for real. <laughs> He's out there jumping around having the best time showing that unabashed joy. We love a little bit of thick boy joy on this podcast, Connor. So that was the theme of the weekend last weekend. Be yourself, ha- live in your power and don't let people fat shame you or doubt you bro because you got it yes
0: celebrate the moment celebrate the dubs you have to right not everybody's going to college ball playoff not everybody's winning national championships celebrate the dubs when you get them chris partridge and harrison Beavis definitely did that in a very big way if you have not leave us a five star review subscribe join the facebook group here named red on air with figuring out or bold and brash thanks guys talk soon enjoy week six